amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to dollarcollapse.com with John Rabino, your ringside seat for the global financial crisis. Hi, everybody. It is Monday, March 21st, and the general story of the last couple of weeks is the possible beginning of the debt jubilee that people have been talking about for such a long time. And here's the backstory. The Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank eased recently. In other words, they cut interest rates to even more deeply negative levels and or promised to buy back more bonds with newly created currency. The objective in general terms was to weaken their currencies. In other words, easier money usually leads to a falling currency exchange rate And that's what these guys want. They want the euro and the yen to go down so that their exports are cheaper and their debt loads, which are, you know, insanely high and completely unmanageable, to become a little bit more manageable. Well, it didn't work. Instead of a weaker currency, their most recent central bank easing resulted in pops in the value of their currencies. The euro and the yen both went up dramatically against the dollar. And The Japanese yield curve inverted with the 10-year government bond yield falling below the rate on overnight deposits. Now, this is something that traditionally presages a recession because banks don't like inverted yield curves. They like to borrow short at a very low rate and then lend for longer periods of time at higher rates. But if long-term rates go below short-term rates, then the bank's business models don't work anymore. And you see a finance-led recession. Well, that's the kind of thing that just happened in Japan. So the fact of central banks easing and getting exactly the opposite result from what they were hoping for is potentially huge because the only thing standing in the way of a debt-driven implosion in the global economy is a belief that what we've done in the past and what worked in the past will keep working if we do it again. In other words, if we cut interest rates and um, create a lot of new currency and dump it into the banking system, that ought to generate some growth or at least keep a deflationary depression at bay. If it doesn't work, then all bets are off because that's basically it for central banking tools out there. They just have easy money. If easy money doesn't work, then they're out of the game. And in response to that, you're seeing calls now at the highest level of uh, academia and international institutions and some governments for a return to fiscal stimulus. In other words, okay, central banks have done all they can do and it's not really working anymore. So let's go back to running big deficits and spending that money on things like infrastructure, for instance, or military buildup or tax cuts, whatever, you know, get that money into the economy and see if that generates growth. Well, that kind of ignores the fact that coming out of the 2008-2009 crisis, the world borrowed like 57 trillion new dollars. And we really didn't get much for it. Growth is flat in Europe, negative in Japan, and anemic in the U.S., and China's having a credit crisis, so we really don't know what their growth, if any, is. So, in effect, 
we spent that $57 trillion and didn't get anything for it. We aren't growing any faster now than we were heading into the 2008-2009 crisis. And there aren't any more people in the U.S. working at full-time jobs. In fact, there, there are fewer full-time workers in the U.S. right now than there were in 2007. So we're basically either treading water or actually regressing despite spending all this money. And the calls now are for us to do it again. So there's a pretty good bet that doing it again won't work any better than what we did in the past, but it looks like we're going to give it a try. And it's possible that we've already begun that process. Uh, Doug Noland over at the Credit Bubble Bulletin likes to dig into the Fed's Z1 report when it comes out quarterly, because it contains basically all the flow of funds information that the federal government can compile and release. And this time around, he found something really interesting. Business borrowing dramatically decelerated in the fourth quarter. And the growth of mortgage borrowing also slowed down dramatically. Which implies a slowdown and possibly a tipping into recession for an economy that sees numbers like that. Well, making up the difference was the federal government, which increased its borrowing at an annual rate of 18% in the fourth quarter. So it could well be that we're seeing the implementation of the next stage of government policy, which is to de-emphasize monetary policy, which isn't working anymore because it's basically run its course, and going back to aggressive new government spending financed with borrowed money. If we see that, then as I said, that ignores the fact that we've been doing it for a really long time and it didn't work and also sets us up for even bigger problems in the future because the more money we borrow, the harder it will be to normalize interest rates. Think about it. The government has borrowed all this money and it has to roll it over. It's not going to retire its debts because it's still running deficits. In other words, it's still adding to its debt load. So all the debt that's out there when it comes due has to be refinanced. And a lot of it is being borrowed a very short term because that's where the lowest interest rates are. So it has to be refinanced frequently. The more we take on, the harder it is to refinance this debt because if we try to raise interest rates and move them back to normal levels so that savers can get some kind of a return on their savings, then the government, when it refinances its debt, has to pay more each time. That means the government's interest cost goes up. And in the case of Japan and the U.S. and Europe, it would go up dramatically because we're talking trillions of dollars being rolled over every year. And that'll blow a big hole in their budgets and lead to a fiscal crisis. You know, it, it's going to be very, very ugly if we try to raise interest rates in an environment where governments are rapidly increasing the amount of debt they have outstanding. So we're, we're building in a crisis in the future if we try this in the present. But it does look like we're going to try it in the present. So I, I think there's an excellent case to be made for the fact that none of the stuff that they're going to do next will work because it's basically just revamped or expanded versions of what they've tried in the past, which failed. So a time is coming out there when people finally figure this out. They see governments doing basically the same thing that they did in the past, even though they, they try a little different terminology and, and it's different people making the announcements, but it's basically the same stuff. The markets will figure this out and then they'll start reacting basically the way foreign exchange traders reacted to the recent easings by the BOJ and the ECB. They'll do the opposite of what the central banks want. When that starts happening across the board in all asset classes and in all countries, then it's game over. And it's not clear what new game we can start up uh, that will replace this old game and what the rules of the new game will be. But I think there's a good chance that 
we see that final financial crisis that gold bugs, at least, in the sound money community have been predicting since the late 1990s. And this game finally comes to an end. So anyhow, the time will tell about that. We can't know when it's going to happen, but it does feel for the first time in a long time imminent. It feels like something big is getting ready to happen that will be potentially even more extreme than what happened in 2008, 2009. Now, with the time we have left, let's switch to precious metals, which have had a really nice start to the year. In the last podcast, I noted that the commitment of traders report was becoming much, much more problematic for gold and silver in the sense that the speculators, the guys who tend to be wrong at the extremes, have been loading up on gold and silver and they're really long right now. In other words, they've placed a big bet on gold continuing to go up from here. And historically, when they do that, they tend to be wrong. And we're set up for something like that based on the commitment of traders report historically. In other words, if this indicator behaves the way it has behaved most times in the past, then gold and silver might not do too well in the next couple of months, which is not good if you just took all your savings and put it into gold in the last month, but not bad if you've got a little, but you intend to buy more in the future. You know, you're going to see a nice entry point here at some point, both in precious metals and possibly in the mining shares, if we see a correction. And The time is coming when the commitment of traders report is not going to work anymore because physical demand is going to be so immense that it just swamps the games that the guys play in the paper market. So if they're giving us another chance to buy some high quality mining stocks, for instance, or to go out and get some gold and silver coins, that's okay. And each subsequent chance will also be okay because the time is coming when this market just goes parabolic and Whatever you own becomes much, much more valuable. So in the meantime, if they give us a chance to buy more, that's great. Anyhow, that's all for this week. Um, Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Dollar Collapse. For regular info and updates throughout the day, go to dollarcollapse.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.